0: A visitor from the north, all right. <laughs> Old saint. Maybe not. I remember the day I stood face to face with the President of the United States, and he reached out his hand and he shook my hand, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, Good job, congratulations. You're not that impressed. <laughs> this goes back a ways to earlier. This, this was my, my um, college graduation when the president came to my graduation. And you're thinking, some of you are thinking, like, was it like a Roosevelt or Lincoln? <laughs> I, I know what you're thinking. <clears throat> it was Gerald Ford in 1976, which is the bicentennial, and he came to our little Christian college campus up in Portland, Oregon. Shows you how long ago it was, a Republican president goes to Portland, Oregon, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> and there were some connections, and he spoke, and uh, and he helped hand out the diplomas. What I learned at that time is that the presidents don't just, like, get on Air Force One and show up. There's a whole lot of preparation that goes on before they ever arrive. And on our little campus, for weeks ahead of time there were weird looking people talking to their watches and checking everything out. We saw, we saw security, we saw detail-oriented teams that were there for weeks. They were in the dorms, they were in the, in the, the gymnasium, the chapel services. I heard they were in the library. Um, <laughs> and, and they were just making sure that everything is secure, that the president will be protected, that this trip will be efficient, and it will accomplish what needs to be accomplished, and they prepared and prepared and prepared on that day, and and, and what a day it was. We, we had a brand new chapel at that time, and we were all gathered together, and, and uh, you know, they played the na-da-da-da-da, da, 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 and we we're walking in with our robes, and they had little red, white, and blue tassels, and feeling so proud, and all the way through, and, and then we kind of got seated and settled, and, and then, as always, when the president comes in, our little college orchestra played Hail to the Chief, rum, 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 and here he comes. And I mean, even then, I was awestruck, and he gave his commencement speech. I don't remember what he had to say, but when it was time to, to give diplomas, I walked across the stage, and I had rehearsed for several days that I wasn't just going to receive it. I wanted to, I wanted to say something to him, so I, was, I had worked it out. Thank you, Mr. President. I am rooting for you this fall because the election was coming up. That's the only reason he showed up. He wanted, he wanted <laughs> votes. <laughs> Polling for you this fall. And I, I kind of I wanted it to kind of be like debonair, you know. Thank you, Mr. President. You know, that, and when I got my diploma, he looked me in the eyes and said, Good job, congratulations. And I went, Thank you, <coughs> Thank you Mr. President. <laughs> And I lost all the debonair stuff. He didn't even know that I was rooting for him (laughs) after that. I I just walked on my way, feeling like, oh. I I was so awestruck, the president of the United States, standing there right in front of me, shaking my hand. All that preparation that comes before a dignitary like that is something that that every government does. No one's just going to allow the head of state to show up without the proper preparation, security, efficiency in fact, it would happen back in the Old Testament, years before Jesus was ever born, in those days when a king would go into a, a city or a province to visit for whatever reason, they would always send a detail in front of them to make sure that things were, were ready to go, that the king would have a smooth and easy trip into the, into the county, the city, the, the province or whatever, and that it, he'd be safe. And so sometimes they would look at the topography, they would say, well, there's a valley there that we got to be careful of that crevice and those those hilltops over there, there's danger there and we got to do whatever we can because we want this smooth road to come out. Preparation for a king. Preparation for a king. Going through the the series of what's the the Christmas story in every gospel? Last week you did Matthew with with Pastor Allen, next week will be Luke. Um, here's what, here's what I know about you. Some of you will read the Christmas story somewhere along the line between now and December 25th. I, I would, I would hazard a guess that not one of you will turn to the book of Mark to read the Christmas story. Not one of you. You know why? There is no Christmas story in Mark there's no nativity there's no shepherds there's no angels there's no furry little sheep there's no star there's no wise men there's no Mary and Joseph it's just John the Baptist John the Baptist see now you know why they invited me here let's talk about the Christmas story let's give Don Mark ah that'll be a good one and so here I am Let's stand and we'll be dismissed. No. I... <laughs> because you will never read the Christmas story in Mark, let me read it with you if you have your Bibles. And I want you to be thinking about the word prepare, preparation, getting ready for the king. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the desert prepare the way of the Lord make straight paths for him and so John came baptizing in the desert region region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one who is much more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Preparation. The book of Luke has an announcement of the Savior by the angels. The book of Mark has an announcement of the, of the Savior by the prophet. What's more miraculous? Angels in the heavenlies or old men with long beards 800, 900, 700 years before prophesying that this was going to come true? Pretty amazing. Matthew in the genealogy takes you all the way back to Abraham. John takes you back prehistorical, before even the beginning of time. Mark takes you back to the prophets. This is where we all catch on to this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ. And here comes John the Baptist. John a messenger. That's not an easy job. Put yourself in the shoes of of John, if you would, for a minute. You get tapped on the shoulder by God saying, hey, John, inside information here, the Messiah is coming. It's time. It's game on. You go out and you pronounce that everywhere. You call people. Get them ready. Prepare them. Prepare their hearts because my my son is coming to earth. I'm wrapping myself up in in flesh and I'm going to come to earth. The only problem with something like that is for about almost a thousand years, others with inside information have been saying, hey, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. Only one problem, the Messiah wasn't coming. 800 years. And then there was 400 years of complete silence. How would you like to be the guy saying, okay, here are inside information, the Messiah is coming. It's like that guy a number of years ago in Oakland, California. You remember him? May 21st, the Lord's coming back again. Everybody gathering around Oakland. If the Lord's coming back, he's not coming back to Oakland. That's all I know. (laughs) (coughs) Hopefully you didn't buy into that, otherwise you wouldn't be here today. But can you imagine what that is? I've got to go tell people that it's time. And there's not a good track record. Of course, if there was a track record of the Lord coming back again, it'd be over. We wouldn't be here anyway. But... How'd you like that job? And so Mark says, hey, just let me, let me give you a little credence to this guy named Mark, or this guy named John the Baptist. Let me just tell you that this is legit. He was prophesied 700 years ago as well, and he quotes Isaiah. Isaiah talks about a messenger coming to prepare. And here's how John comes, and he, and he prepares. He calls them out to the wilderness area. Strange place for a prophet. Most prophets would stand at the foot of the the stairs at the temple and and cry out their, their message. But he goes out in the wilderness, miles and miles and miles away from the temple in Jerusalem. And he speaks a message that is so compelling that multitudes go out to the desert, out to the wilderness to see him. Multitudes. Crowds by the thousands gather together. And they hear this message. And they're moved. Their hearts are stirred. It's been 400 years since they've heard anything. And now they hear this. And here's the results, the Bible says. Confession and repentance. His message is basically this. Prepare the way. I'm preparing the way. The Messiah is coming. Get ready. The Messiah, it's game on. It's time. Let's go. It's go time right now. Let's go. Get ready for this straight road that's going to be directly from heaven to our city. Directly from heaven to your heart. Get ready for it. And here was their confession. We're not ready. We're not ready for that. Prepare the way. We've been on our own way. We've been doing our own thing. We're on our own road. We're not ready for this Messiah. And they confess. And then the Bible says they repent. Repent means they turn around. They're going one way. And they turn and go the opposite way. They're on their own road. They're doing their own thing. They're on their own way. And they realize they're not ready for the king to show up. And so they repent. They turn around and they say, okay, what is the way? Where is this road? And we're all about it. We'll jump on that immediately. And a symbol and a sign of their repentance was baptism. And he would baptize them in the River Jordan. And on they would go. And the way was being prepared over and over and over and over again because the king was about to arrive. I love this time of year. I love Advent. It's a weird word. We don't use it a lot in our culture until you go to church and they say Advent and you go, what does that mean? You Like you light a candle or what does that mean? Advent means coming, coming. And it, it harkens back to when the Lord came, when Jesus came. And most of our Christmas preparation is about him coming the first time. We want to celebrate in awe and wonder of this beautiful time. And we recognize the nativity scene. And we we go to church. And we have six Christmas Eve services. And, you know, we we want to make sure that our hearts are ready and prepared because it's a special time of, of awe and wonder, of recognizing God loved us so much he sent Jesus. There's this preparation with Advent. But there's also this anticipation with Advent. There's an anticipation that not only has he come, but that he's coming again. There's going to be a day when he returns. And just like they waited thousands of years hearing about that Jesus is going to come for the first time, we're waiting thousands of years now hearing this message that Jesus is going to come again and it's been so long we've heard that message that we that we sometimes lose the anticipation that one of these days he's coming back it's going to be a great day for us who've called upon him as our savior no more tears no more sorrow no more suffering i can't wait till he comes back but there's also a thing about advent that brings the preparation and the anticipation together now today even this moment, even this service, that we are preparing our hearts for the arrival of the King, that we are anticipating the arrival of the King, not somewhere way off in the distance, but that he can, he can come on the scene in your life right now. He can come straightway to your home, to this church. He can do something in your life. When you get up out of this chair, you're different than when you came in this chair. They're God moments. God intersects and intersperses himself into into our history, into our life, and with preparation and anticipation, he can do something in our life. The, the, The burden I carry, the sorrow I carry, the sin I carry, the brokenness I carry is all redeemed and made good again. And he does it over and over, these God moments over and over. So here's my question to you. Are you ready for the king to arrive? Are you prepared? Are you anticipating? Are you recognizing? Or are you just going to flitter through Christmas, have it all gone and the boxes all thrown away and wrapping paper torn up and miss the king? I want to invite you to go back with me where Mark starts, really, into Isaiah, the 40th chapter. That's where this prophecy starts. And, it, and it's, it's beautiful words that, that come out by this prophet that, that are kind of poetic, and there's some wonderful metaphors that come out of this. Let, let me read with you, um, starting in verse 3, that the words of, of the prophet Isaiah that, be, that talk about the messenger who's making preparation for Jesus. It says, the voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Verse 4, every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken every valley raised up every mountain and hill made low the rough ground the rugged places made smooth and the glory of the Lord a valley raised up metaphor that comes to my mind is that a lot of us maybe you today are in a valley in those days it might not have been a big, huge valley. It could have been a crevice. It could have been a ravine. We know what it's like in the, in the, in the desert when a storm comes through and the flood comes and it washes away the, the roadway, or if you're trying to cross a road and the water's coming through, you don't do that, you know, that we've learned, hopefully, if you've been here a while, you've learned not to go into those waters. Um, or even in those days, they didn't have road repair, so you could have a, a, a flood come through there, tear up the road, and there's this big ditch. And no one can get through it. And if you're going to have the king come in with his procession, you don't want him stuck in a ditch or a valley or a ravine somewhere. You want to raise that valley up so that the king can arrive. Are you in a valley this season? I think of a valley as, as something that when we've lost, when we lost something, when we're suffering loss, maybe a sudden loss. A week or so ago, I was at another church, and I, I know a man that, that I've seen for a while, and he was praying with some other men, and I thought that was strange, during in church praying, you know. That doesn't happen most of the time, but, <laughs> and uh, and I just kind of took note of that, and, and I didn't didn't follow up on it. I was heading out to the parking lot with my wife, we were getting ready to come home, and all of a sudden this man comes running out of the doors of the church, and he called me by name, and i I didn't really think of it. I I do what I do all during Christmas. Hey, are you ready for Christmas? You know, are you prepared for Christmas? Thinking, you know, are you listening to Christmas music and have you got your baking done? Um, And he looks at me and he cuts through all that and he goes, I lost my job. I lost my job. I went in on Tuesday and I lost my job that day. They have younger guys that they can afford, I guess, and the benefits are less And he looked at me and he said, I'm I'm 62 years old and I've lost my job. Here's his desperation. I don't know what to do. And on top of that, I will do anything. I don't know what to do, I don't know where to turn, and I will do anything. I'll mow lawns, I'll do people's laundry and iron if they want. I will, I will put on roofs on houses. He goes, I've never roofed a house in my life. I will learn. I will do. We're selling our house this week. I've got a, a, a son entering junior high school. I've got a wife. I don't know what to do. I'll do anything. I said, I'll, I'll pray for you. And I, I said, you know, I think, I think God might be able to do something, give you something new. And he looked at me and said, I'm I'm 62 years old. There's nothing. I mean, that's a valley. That's a valley. Some of you will gather around your Christmas tree this year, maybe the dinner table at Christmas time. Family will be there, maybe some close friends, but there'll be an empty chair. A chair that last year dad sat at, but he's not there this year. Or mom. Or grandpa. Everything looked fine last year, but there's an empty chair. And your whole family will go into a valley. Valley is unexpected circumstances that just take a bite out of you. What do you do? What do you do when you're in a valley? Well, most of us try to fill it up somehow. We try to cover it up. We, we don't want people to know that it's that deep and it's that painful. And that, so we cover it up. So we, we overeat, we overdrink, we overspend, we overextend ourselves, just trying to fill that gap up so that somehow we can get through Christmas season. If we can just get through this Christmas, maybe next Christmas will be better. And so we, we try to fill it up. What if you just... What if you were just vulnerable enough with the Lord and said, I'm in a valley that I can't get out of. I, I need your help. I need a God moment. I need a God thing. I need you to do something that nothing else seems to be working. And I surrender to you. I surrender my valley. I give you my, my grief and my pain. Some of you are in a valley so deep you're going to miss the arrival of the king. Mountaintops that need to come down. Hilltops. In those days, as, as the detailed organization from the king is looking at the danger spots and the threats and the possibilities in this community, perhaps there's a mountain that's so high that it would take extra time to get over it or have to go around it, or maybe behind every bend there's danger possibilities. There's somebody or something lurking that would be a threat to the king and and that mountain has to come down in order for a smooth, straight road to get from the king to the city. If a valley is a metaphor of loss, I think that I think a hill is a metaphor for this building up of, of pressure and stress. Just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of stress. That seems to just amplify this time of year it's the fourth quarter at work the numbers haven't come together yet you've got to work extra hard to make the quota to to make things meet to, to end the year on the upside not the downside and the pressure and the pressure and the pressure of this time builds and builds and builds and builds or maybe it's your family and there's dysfunction and disorder or maybe everything's going well you're just trying to figure out how to get enough presents to your kids so that they can be on equal level with the neighborhood kids when they open the presents or their cousins the pressure of that maybe you have family coming in for christmas holidays and they always say they're going to stay 2 weeks and they stay 4 <laughs> and you're going how in the world how in the world are we going to do that again Stress that just comes over and over and builds. How do you get rid of those hills? Get your little spoon out and start digging. Get a little shovel and start digging. How are you going to get rid of that hill? What if you just surrendered? What if you just gave this mountain, which, by the way, reflects most of your identity. That's why there's pressure. All this idea... What if you just gave that up? My identity is not in this mountain that I keep building. My identity is in you, God. I, I need a God. I need a God moment to diffuse this hilltop. What about the rough road? The jagged edges, boulders and rocks and sharp rocks, and places to stumble and fall, and edges where the chariots and the horses could go off. What about that? I think every one of us have some rough edges that come out, especially during Christmas. Usually it's emotions that are frayed. You got some rough edges? Anger, bitterness, envy. How about control? time of year you want to control anything and everything and everybody. Or maybe it's the opposite. You want to just hide. You just, you just jump in, the, in, a, in an empty room and let the family do whatever they want. You know what's interesting about the edges? You don't want to admit it, but everyone knows you have them in your family and friends. They all know you have them. And they tiptoe around you so that they're not going to set them off. You might be in denial of them, but they're, they're, not, they, they're, they're on eggshells because of that. How can you get rid of those edges? How can you you smooth them out so that it's a silent night, a holy night, a peaceful night? What if it's something only God can do through surrender? Mountains, valleys, rough edges. And then he has one more little metaphor. The glory of God will be revealed when the valleys are brought up when the mountains are diffused when there's a smooth road and a pathway from the kingdom of heaven to your city that the king can come on the glory will be revealed Wow that word glory is not one we use very much in this culture today either the idea is weightedness the weightedness of God I, I think of it as the manifest presence of God. Driving here this morning, all the fog all over the place. Not normal for the desert. In the Old Testament, when God showed up, his presence was like a fog that just filled the, filled the tabernacle. You knew God was there because you just you saw the fog. You felt the fog. It was, it was heavy. When's the last time you, you felt the weight of God's presence? In your life. Here's what I know. When you have valleys so deep. And mountains so high. And roads so rugged. You're going to miss the path. That the king arrives on. Because the, the mountains and the valleys. And the rugged edges dictate our life. They dominate our life. They take over this season. But if you can bring them up and down and smooth. The glory can be revealed. Christmas is a great time for the glory to be revealed. Whether it's through a service, whether it's through serving someone, whether it's time that's spent with him in in aloneness and quietness. Hope of the glory. Peace. Truth. Faith. Grace. We sing about those, those songs all the time. It's a time when the the king wants to arrive and just reveal his glory to you. Just reveal it. Think about uh, John the Baptist again. He's, He's at the side of the river baptizing people. People are confessing. I'm not ready for the arrival of the king. We're not ready for the arrival of the king. Whoa, prepare the way. We're on the wrong way. We're on the wrong road. I got valleys too deep. I got mountains too high. The road's too rough. I'm just confessing, confessing, confessing. Were you willing to repent? Yes, we'll repent. Yes. God, I want to get back on the right road. I want to prepare the way. I want to be on the way that he's announcing and he's heralding. I I want to be on that road, the road that that the king arrives on. Come in the water and be baptized. Come in the water and be baptized. While he's baptizing people, Mark says, Jesus comes walking to the side of the river and enters the water and says to John, I'd like you to baptize me. I'm I'm not worthy to baptize you. You're the son of God. I I can't even... Tie the sandals that you have on your feet. are I, 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 I am. I'm no. And I'm sure somewhere along the line, John figured out it's not good to argue with Jesus for too long. <laughs> okay, you want to be baptized? Takes Jesus. He prays over him. He takes him in the water and dunks him in the water and brings him up again. And the Bible says the sky was ripped in two. And descending like a dove from heaven was the Holy Spirit of God. And an audible voice from heaven, the Father himself said, This is my Son, in whom I am deeply in love with, and I am well pleased. Now, if you're standing on the side of the river, gathered around with all those people, and that happens, the glory is revealed Is it not? The glory is revealed. And that's Christmas. That's Christmas. Every time you confess and repent and get on the right road, and the glory is revealed, it's Christmas. So, how about it today? What's your valley? Can you name it? That loss that you feel, that thing that makes your heart sad, that heaviness that comes, that triggers it, what triggers that? Can you name it? Can you surrender it to the Spirit of God? Lord, would you fill my valley up? Do raise my valley up. I confess. As long as I'm in this valley, I'm not ready for the king. The grief, the pain, the hurt. Heal me. What's your mountain? Can you name your mountain? The stress that you're building on and building on and building on and building on. You don't even know why. You're just building on more and more. Lord, would you just fuse this mountain? Would you would you take the air out of it, let it let it fall flat? Even if even if some of these things just that's not what Christmas the mountain is not what Christmas is about. You are the king. Holy Spirit. Take the mountain down. Your rough road, your edges, your frayed emotions. Holy Spirit, would you come in and do a healing in me that is so deep? Beyond my, my body and what everybody sees on the outside, in my inner spirit, there's this angst, turmoil. Prince of Peace you come live in me? When the valley's raised up and the mountains are knocked down and the road is made smooth, there's a direct route from heaven to your heart and the glory will be revealed. I pray this Christmas in your life, in your family, in this church, the glory's revealed. Because when that happens, that's Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, we release to you today all the things that bunch up in our life. We confess, a lot of us confess, we're not ready for the arrival of the king. We're just not ready. We're about our own way, on our own road doing our own thing. So today, Lord, would you hear our prayers? We repent. We turn around. Prepare the road that our king might come right to our heart. For We believe and we know you, Lord Jesus, are Messiah, King of all kings, Lord of all lords. Be Lord of our lives and hearts today. In Jesus' name.